Today's story takes place in Los Angeles, California. While LA is usually looked at as the city where dreams come true, this story starts off as a dream, and then it slowly turns into a nightmare. And it sounds like it was produced straight out of a Hollywood studio. And years later, movies would be made based off of this case. But as crazy as it seems, it was all still too real for the friends and family of Rebecca Schaefer. Rebecca Schaefer was born November 6, 1967, in Eugene, Oregon. When she entered high school, her parents relocated the family to Portland, Oregon. Growing up, Rebecca was involved in theater. When she moved to Portland, she then began working as a model and gained representation from a local talent agent. In 1984, at only 16 years old, Rebecca convinced her parents to let her move across the country to New York City to pursue an acting and modeling career. Her parents agreed to allow her to go, and her agent also had connections in New York and asked a friend to help keep an eye on Rebecca and help her out over there. And you know the saying, hard work beats talent when talent hardly works? Well, Rebecca was the talent that worked really hard, and on top of her work ethic, she was charismatic, had a big heart, and all of that combined took her far pretty fast. Before 1984 ended, Rebecca landed a role on the soap opera One Life to Live. It was supposed to be a quick and small role, but the producers were surprised with how well she was doing, and they ended up giving her a six-month contract. When she was finished with One Life to Live, Rebecca landed another acting gig on a TV show. This one would catapult her into fame and change everything. In 1986, Warner Brothers Studios was making a new TV show called My Sister Sam, starring Pam Dauber. One of the last roles that they were trying to fill was for the character that would play Pam's younger sister. The producers watched audition after audition, and they came up with nothing. Then, Rebecca came in to audition. She politely introduced herself to the producers and to Pam. By the time the audition was over, they knew that they found their actress. Pam was about 17 years older than Rebecca, but she and Rebecca hit it off immediately. Pam was an experienced actress, and she was actually Robin Williams' co-star in the 1970s TV show Mork and Mindy. She took Rebecca under her wing to help her out, and Rebecca ended up moving in with Pam and her now husband, but at the time her boyfriend, Mark Harmon. When my sister Sam hit the TV, the first season blew up big, with millions and millions of viewers. And all of a sudden, Rebecca was in the spotlight. She was on the cover of magazines, talk shows, and even co-hosted the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade for CBS. Back at the studio, Rebecca began receiving fan mail. She didn't tell anyone at the time, but she was doing her best to respond to every fan that wrote her. 
And I said earlier that she had a big heart and she just wanted to help people. Well, a lot of these fans, they would write in to her about problems that they were having. She would try and write them some sort of positive advice to help them out. Eventually, she mentioned to one of her friends that she was responding to fan mail, and they warned her not to, because it was impossible for her to know who was on the other side of the message. But by the time she was given that advice, it was too late, because she had already responded to a man named Robert Bardo. And it was her polite, helpful kind of response that would set Robert down a path that would change the lives of so many people. Robert Bardo was born January 2nd, 1970 in Tucson, Arizona. Growing up, Robert had a rough childhood. He was the youngest of seven children, and he was abused by one of his siblings. And after attempting suicide, he was placed in foster care. Robert ended up dropping out of high school in ninth grade, and he began working as a janitor. When he got a little older, Robert became obsessed with Rebecca after seeing her on My Sister Sam. Specifically, he was fixated with how sweet and innocent she seemed on TV. In 1987, Robert traveled to LA and attempted to get on the set of My Sister Sam. He brought gifts for Rebecca and tried to tell the security guard that he was friends with her. But security wasn't buying it. They did check with Rebecca and she said she wasn't expecting anyone to come. And an actual friend of hers told the security guard not to let him on the set. Robert was turned away by the security guard and Rebecca didn't think any more of it. After two seasons and 44 episodes, My Sister Sam was cancelled. By that time... Rebecca had moved out of Pam and Mark's house, and she was living in her own apartment. And she was in a serious relationship with a man named Brad Silberling, who at the time was a UCLA film student. Rebecca spent the next couple of years getting roles in movies. One of them was called Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. Rebecca was branching out in this role. It was unlike any other role that she played before, and in this movie... Her character had a love scene with another actor. Rebecca had already showed Hollywood that she could act. She built a successful career for herself in a short amount of time. But now she was on the verge of making her career even bigger. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home? If so, I would love to have the opportunity to help you out. I'm a licensed realtor with Boss Hart Realty in Gainesville, Florida. Whether you're selling in Orlando or buying in California or Canada or Colorado, we work with great real estate companies all over the world. So I can help you out no matter where you're at. All you got to do is send me an email and we can talk about your dream home that you're getting ready to look for or the home that you're about to sell so you can look for another home or move to another area. My email is michaeladkins at bossheartrealty.com. That email is also going to be in the show notes for you. I really look forward to working with you. Now, back to the show. In the summer of 1989, auditions were being held for a movie that everyone wanted to be a part of. The Godfather. Part 3. And there was one particular role that just about every actress wanted, and it would be the role 
of Al Pacino's character's daughter, Mary Corleone. All of these big actresses were throwing their names in the pot and auditioning for this role, including Rebecca. Around the beginning of July 1989, Robert saw Rebecca's movie where she had the love scene, and this sent him over the deep end. He tried to buy a gun in Arizona, but the gun store owner noticed that he seemed off and didn't feel comfortable selling him a gun. So Robert talked his brother into buying a gun for him so that he could do some target shooting. Robert also hired a private investigator to find Rebecca's address, and it really didn't take the investigator very long to find it. At the time, you could get anyone's information from the DMV. So the investigator spent a couple of bucks, purchased the information, then handed it over to Robert. Robert then boarded a bus with the fan mail letter that Rebecca sent him and a gun, and then he headed off to L.A. On July 17, 1989, Rebecca spoke with her parents and her agent about the audition and how excited she was for it. That evening, she and Brad went out to see a movie. After the movie, Brad drove her home. He was going to spend the night with her, but he had plans the next morning, so he decided to go home. So he said goodnight to Rebecca at her front door, and then left. The next morning, on July 18th, Rebecca was waiting on a mail courier to bring the script for the film so she could begin preparing for her audition. She was anticipating this knock on her door, and the person on the other side was going to hand over the script that could change her life forever. The doorbell rang. Rebecca opened the door, but it wasn't a mail courier with the strip on the other side of the door. Instead, it was Robert. It was the stalker that she never knew she had. A man that she never knew she upset. A man that traveled to Los Angeles with one purpose in mind. Robert showed her the photo that she signed and sent him years before. He told her that he was her biggest fan. She shook his hand. She politely told him that she wished him well, but that she had to prepare for an audition. And then she shut the door. Robert walked around the corner from the house and went to a small diner where he ordered some food. He then called his sister from a payphone and told her, You're going to hear something about me, before he hung up. Robert returned to Rebecca's and rang the doorbell again. Now, one thing I didn't mention earlier. Rebecca lived in this apartment building that just had a few apartments. It did have an intercom system at the front door so that when someone rang the doorbell, whoever lived there could talk to them at the front door and see who it was before they ever came in the building. But at the time, the intercom system wasn't working, so Rebecca would have to go to the door and open it to see who was there. So Rebecca opened the door again and saw Robert. According to Robert, he and Rebecca spoke for a brief moment, and then she said, You're wasting my time. Which, if she did say that, she's not wrong. Then Robert said, I forgot to give you something. He then pulled out his handgun and shot Rebecca one time straight through the heart, and then he fled the scene. A neighbor ran out and saw Rebecca on the ground crying and over and over again saying, why? Why me? The neighbor held Rebecca 
as she took her last breath of life. The next day, back in Tucson, Arizona, police got a call about a man in the middle of the roadway screaming. When the first officer arrived, Robert was in the middle of the road screaming, I killed Rebecca Schaefer. When the officers took him into custody, he had a picture of Rebecca in his shirt pocket. Robert would later say that when Rebecca told him that he was wasting her time, that set him off, and that's what made him shoot her. My personal opinion on that is he's just trying to justify this in some way, even if he's just trying to justify it to himself. But this entire thing is planned. He bought a gun, hired a private investigator, went to her house twice, called his sister and told her she was going to hear things about him. And he knew he was going to shoot her before he ever rang her doorbell. But the next step in this is the trial, which would take place two years later. The prosecutor for this case, Marsha Clark, who you may know, she was also the prosecutor for O.J. Simpson. The defense attorney waived having a jury trial in order to have the death penalty taken off the table. They decided to leave this up to a judge to decide. Robert had already confessed to killing Rebecca, and there was a recorded interview where he even reenacts the shooting and impersonates Rebecca, yelling, Why? Why me? The defense, they weren't even arguing that this was a case of insanity. They were more so saying that he was having mental issues and that he just shouldn't spend the rest of his life in prison. Marsha Clark had to show that this was premeditated, that this wasn't a snap decision that he made when she told him that he was wasting her time. Marsha called Robert's brother to the stand, which testified that Robert did have him by the gun weeks ahead of time. Robert's father also testified and said as soon as he saw the news that Rebecca was shot, the first thing he did was run to the room to see if the gun was there. But the gun was gone, along with Robert. Dr. Park Dietz also took the stand to testify to Robert's mental condition. Dr. Dietz is a forensic psychiatrist that has testified in trials for the Unabomber, Jeffrey Dahmer, and a few other high-profile cases. Dr. Dietz testified that Robert believed he was being possessed by the radio and that he was always hearing voices in his head. The recorded interviews that Robert did with investigators were also played. In these interviews, Robert never showed any remorse as he gave the details about pulling the gun on Rebecca, cocking it, and firing it. In fact, at one point, after he demonstrates the shooting, he's sitting there smiling. After closing statements from the attorneys, the judge found Robert guilty of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. As a result of this incident, laws were also put into place against stalking. Laws were changed to where the DMV couldn't provide personal information to just anybody that goes up there and pays a couple bucks for it. Rebecca's boyfriend, Brad Soberling, has gone on to create hit TV shows such as Jane the Virgin, Rain, and Dynasty. 
In 2002, he wrote and directed a movie that was inspired by Rebecca's story called Moonlight Mile. The world lost a rising star the day that Rebecca was killed. She'll forever be remembered as a 21-year-old actress that was kind and an open heart that just wanted to help people. And this brings us to a conclusion of this episode. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast at. And if you're listening on Apple, if you could leave a five-star rating and review, that would help this show out a lot. And thank you for listening.